Turn to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. How many of you have had your temperature taken in the last year? How many of you have had your temperature taken many times in the last year, right? Every time you walk in somewhere, somebody's trying to point something at your head. You know, man, I, my, my wife said, that ain't good for you. So we've given them our wrist. At first, they didn't want to do that, but then they called on. Praise God. Why do we take people's temperature? Y'all talk to me now. Lawrence, thank you, Lawrence. Amen. Why do we take people's temperature? See if they got a fever, right? Because, you know, typically if you got a fever, that means you got an infection, something's wrong with you, right? It's a test. It's a test to, to check on your potential health. Now, it's not an all-knowing or all-telling test, but it's just one test of many. Uh, right before I came here, I had to take a physical. By the way, the day I got on the plane to come here, the, the minute the um, government of Ghana still had my passport. Somebody was praying, amen? Got my passport just a few hours before I got on the plane. Man, thanks for praying for me. Who, was the, who, was, who got credit for that, amen? Lawrence, he loves to take the credit. It's true, isn't it, Tammy? Yeah. Um, what was I talking about? Oh, yeah, I had to take a physical. I had to take a physical. I took my, my blood pressure. It was a little high. I was thinking, I think it was high because I don't like somebody get putting a needle in my arm. And I knew I was going to get the needle. But anyway, my blood pressure was high, and I was concerned about that. I said, that's a high blood pressure for me. So when I got to my mama's house last week, she's got one of them blood pressure machines. I did that thing every day, man, you know. And uh, it was back down. It was low. I take it in the morning. It's lower in the morning. Amen? But that's probably one of the most telling tests of the condition of your health and to the condition of your longevity in life. You, you're running high blood pressure. You, you, you're not doing very well. Amen? You want to keep that blood pressure low. Anybody ever had a CT scan? Yeah? How about a, what do they call them things? MRI? What's them things they put you in the big tunnel and they put you in there? That's the that's MRI? All these tests and things, what, electrocardiogram? All these are tests, they're things that are done to try to give some kind of indication. Is there any doctors in here? I'm butchering all this stuff, ain't I? Um, tests to try to see how healthy you are. Tonight we're going to take a spiritual test. We're going to take your spiritual temperature tonight. Now, I'm not going to use all the tests. I want to give you three. Three tests tonight to see how we're doing spiritually. We're going to start in Hebrews chapter number 10. The Bible says in verse 25, Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. You know, God has told us here in His Word that we're not to forsake our coming together as believers. You know, when people start talking about how they don't need church to be a good Christian, I know right away there's a spiritual problem. There's a spiritual problem. 
Because you know what? The Bible tells us in 1 John, if you love God, you love your brethren. Thank you for coming to church tonight for each other. We don't come to church just for the Lord. We come to church for each other. We need each other. Look in verse 23. What does it say? It says, hold fast the profession of your faith. Now, that's not talking about you keeping yourself born again. It's talking about holding fast your what? Your profession of faith. You said it earlier. People need to hear the gospel. We need to have a profession of faith. And we go to church to help encourage one another to hold fast to that profession of faith. Because the world needs us, the lost needs us, and we need each other, and we need encouragement. And the Bible says there in verse 24 that we're to consider one another to, to provoke unto love and to good works. And when somebody starts getting a bad attitude about church, there's a spiritual problem. When someone doesn't have a desire for church, there's a spiritual problem. You need church, and the church needs you. Amen. Church is not a place you go just to sit and listen. Church is a place where you go to be heard. I need you, and you need me. I got an email from my uh, wonderful servant that I served with, Pastor Sarver, yesterday. He sent me an email of a young lady that I knew that heard me preach 27 years ago. I preached a sermon called A Time to Weep. It's one of the first sermons I ever preached in my life. She posted on Facebook this week the details of that message the points I gave, and talked about how it's affected her all these years later. And man, I read that, and I read how much she got from that message, and boy, it encouraged me, preacher. You know, preachers can get discouraged. You know, when you get up to preach and nobody says nothing, did a good job, nobody responds, people go to sleep. You know, I love preaching here. You know why I love preaching here? Because you folks are so responsive. Brother Stobb, amen. You folk, I love the way you look and you pay attention. But you know what? I need that. You need me. I need you. The pastor needs you. Hey, you need him. He needs you. Brother Bushy needs you. Church is important, folks. And when you start getting a little bit off with church, there's a spiritual problem. Amen? I know I'm preaching to the choir tonight. I'll get to where you're living in a few minutes. I'll get to where you're at in a few minutes. But we all need to understand how important church is. And we need it. And others need us to be here. Amen? Number two. Let's turn to 1 Peter chapter 3, and we'll read that verse number 7. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. Are you there? It says, Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them. Who's the them? It's a wife, right? Glory to God. I don't know if my wife is listening, but if you are, I miss you, Elizabeth. 
What was I talking about? <laughs> First Peter 3, 7. Yeah, dwell with us. What I wish I was, I wish I was dwelling with Elizabeth right now. According to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel. The, 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 what I want you to see is that dwell with them according to knowledge. Brother, uh, Brother Bushy and, and Ms. Amber Bushy with, with, were with us recently. They did such a great job teaching our couples of our church. And he talked about this verse. Talked to the men about the importance of knowing their wife. And, you know, the Bible talks about, I'll, I'll be careful here, but the Bible talks about Adam knew Eve. And we know that that, that uh, Adam and knowing Eve leads to having children, but it's so much more than that. It's, it's an intimacy that's not just physical. It's an intimacy, it's closeness. And if you're going to be close to somebody, you've got to know about them. Now look, I don't want you just to know about Jesus. I want you to know Jesus. But before you know Jesus, you've got to know about Jesus. Amen? That's why Sunday school is important. So I learning the, the, the truths of the Bible and learning the stories of the Bible is so important growing up. But God has called us to know Him. The second test of your spiritual your, uh, uh, um, condition is the test of intimacy. Are you intimate with God? Do you know Him? Now I'm going to say this. I hope it don't offend nobody, but I'm going to tell you what. One of the books of the Bible that fundamental independent Baptist preachers get wrong so much is 1 John. 1 John is not trying to teach you how to figure out who's saved. 1 John is trying to teach you how to know if you know God and how to know if others know God. I don't know if you're born again, but I can tell whether you know God or not. Because if you know him, you keep his commandments. If you know him, you love your brethren. There's two great doctrines in that, in that book. God is light and God is love. And if you're intimate God, the Bible, the, the Bible teaches First John that the purpose is that we would have fellowship with God and our joy would be full. God wants to fellowship with us. God didn't create us to get a ticket out of hell. He created us to know Him, to abide in Him, to walk in the light. Intimacy. If you're not intimate with someone, then you're not close with them. How do you know that you have a deep, intimate, close relationship with other people? You hear from them. Would you say you was close to somebody you never talked to? Huh? No, you say, oh, you, you ladies, oh, me and my mom were real close. We talk every week or we talk every day, right? When you're close to somebody, you talk to them. When you're close to somebody, you listen to them. I've had the opportunity to do some marital counseling and I found out all the women say he won't listen to me. And all the men say she won't listen to me. Now, what the women are saying is he keeps everything private. He won't listen to my thoughts. And what the men are saying, she won't obey me. I try to tell her what to do and I make suggestions. She takes none of them. That's what they, that's what they mean when he won't listen to me and she won't listen to me. 
But what they're all complaining about is there's no intimacy. There's no intimacy. And I'm not talking about the physical intimacy. The reason we have a problem with the physical intimacy is because we don't have the real intimacy. We don't listen to one another. We don't hear from one another. We don't share with one another. And there's a problem. And folks, God is a person. I know he's not human, but he's a person. And he created us to know him. He created us to walk with him. He created us to listen to him. He created us to talk to him. And when you're not intimate God, intimate with God, you are having a spiritual problem. Do you regularly, I can't talk, I got cotton mouth up here. I'm just starting to warm up. Man, I was sitting over here, I couldn't figure out if I was nervous or cold. I was cold, amen? How you doing, Brother Lapina? Amen. Do you regularly hear from God? And I'm not talking about Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Do you regularly hear from God? Is God talking to you? And I ain't talking about in tongues. I ain't talking about in a charismatic church service. I'm talking about you sit down and you read the Bible and your heart burns with truth. Your heart burns as you learn wisdom. Your heart burns as you learn something about God. That's what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about you reading a devotional book. Nothing wrong with that. But I'm talking about you sit down and let God talk to you. I suggest you read the Bible. <laughs> Let God talk to you. Then start talking to Him. Amen? Give a little praise, a little word, you know, a little singing. And boy, then you end up praying. It's a wonderful thing. Do you regularly hear from God? Man, I thank God that... What, what's this? 221. See, I got saved in 1991. Started going to church regularly when I was about 1992, 1993. I used to go to the altar and weep at the end of the preaching. I am so happy that this morning I was on the front row in a church service and I was weeping. I'm so excited. I sat up here tonight. Let me tell you, the best sermon going to be preached tonight was John R. Rice in that song. That, I was weeping up here listening to that song. I thank God that I can still weep after all these years. Now, I'm no spiritual giant, and I got my spiritual problems. But I'm taking my temperature, and I'm, there's a pulse. Amen? Amen? God's talking to me. I'm hearing from Him. My heart's burning when I read God's Word. I'm gaining more wisdom and knowledge as I'm in the Scriptures. I listen to preaching and something speaks to me. Amen? You're convicted of sin. Let me tell you all something, folks. When you read 1 John, one of the first things you've got to get out of the way real quick is if you say you have no sin, you deceive yourselves. And the truth is not in you. And I want to tell you something. If you're hearing from God, you're getting convicted of sin. 
Now, if you're not regularly getting convicted for sin, you're not regularly hearing from God. We walk in a sinful world. We live in a carnal flesh. We are sinners. And if we're hearing from God, then we're regularly confessing sin. And if you're not regularly confessing sin, you are having a spiritual difficulty, my friend. This is like taking your temper. It's like taking your blood pressure. How often are you confessing sin to God? I heard that sermon from Dr. Rice up here today. You know why I was weeping? Because I was thinking, Lord, I hadn't been faithful with this message. I need to be more urgent. And thank you. I was looking for the word. Thank you, Pastor Wilson. See, he's listening to me. We're close, amen. <laughs> Do you understand what I'm saying? You can't, don't convince yourself that you're close to God and you're not being convicted of sin. The next thing we know, you'll be telling us that you've reached a sinless perfection. None of us, look, don't convince yourself. Look, I've got friends that have convinced themselves that speaking in tongues, all this ecstatic utterance is of God. They've convinced themselves that that stuff is true. And some of you have convinced yourself that you're a person of prayer, but you don't spend much time confessing sin. Now, I don't understand that. How are you a great person of prayer and there's no confession of sin? There's no conviction. Folks, let me tell you, let me tell you teach a great truth about prayer. If you're going to be intimate with God in prayer, righteousness is a requirement. If we say we have no sins, we deceive ourselves. The Bible says, He is faithful and just to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You've got to get right with God for God to open His ears to you. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse number 12 that the eyes of the Lord are over the righteous. And His ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. He's talking to Christians, folks. You can't be intimate with God if you don't have a desire for righteousness and, 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 and a conviction of sin. Am I making sense to you tonight? It's like some of you men in here. I mean, like you're convinced that you got a great marriage and you and your wife hadn't had an intimate conversation in months. And if somebody asked you how your marriage is, you'd be, oh, man, I got a great marriage. I got a good marriage. Your wife's over there thinking, could have you could have fooled me. You don't have a great marriage if you're not talking with your spouse. Come on, man. I've been there. I've been there. I used to thought I think I had a great marriage. I started reading. I started realizing I got a lot of growing to do. And folks, that's the way it is with God, too. Let's take our spiritual temperature tonight. What's your attitude towards church? Are you intimate with God? Does He hear from you? Does He hear your deepest thoughts in prayer? Do you experience joy, contentment, peace? 
If you're not experiencing the fruits of the Spirit, then you've got an intimacy problem with God. Because the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, goodness, gentleness, faith, meekness, temperance. This is what you get if you're intimate with God. This is the byproduct. If you're not experiencing that, you have an intimacy problem with God. Number three, turn to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12 and verse number 8. God's talking about the church being a body with many members. He says in verse 8, he says, Or he that exhorteth on exhortation, he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. He that ruleth with diligence, he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. Studying these verses, and I saw this statement, he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. I thought, man, that's, I don't understand that. What's that mean? If you give, do it with simplicity. I mean, what does it mean to simply give? Uh, it's, it's not quite an obvious phrase to me. So I got to looking at that word, and I looked at the, uh, the Greek for simplicity, and I realized that that word that's translated simplicity here is most often translated in the New Testament as the word, word liberal or bountiful, which makes a lot of sense because we talk about giving. We talk about giving liberally or giving bountifully, right? So it's like, well... Why is it the word simple there? Why is the word simplicity used and not the word liberal or bountiful? And I, I, I'll try to give you this illustration. Let's say you went to a, uh, uh, you met a furniture maker and he invited you to his shop. You went to his shop and you walked in and all you saw was couches. Everything was a couch. And you said, uh, do you have anything here other than couches? He says, no, all I make is couches. I'm a furniture maker. All I make is couches. And you said, well, why do you only make couches? He said, because when I focus on only couches, I do a good job on that one thing. He says, it, it's simple. This one thing I do. And, 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 and in only doing couches, I'm able to give myself liberally or give myself bountifully to this one thing. I give simply. Does that make sense to you? When you keep things simple and not too complex and not too confusing, you're able to give more of yourself to it. Paul said this one thing I do. Are you listening to me tonight? Yeah, I hope. Did y'all understand that? Because if y'all didn't get it, you, I mean, Brother Bush, he's just a, a smart guy right here. So the idea of giving with simplicity is the idea of giving liberally or bountifully because it's your life's purpose. When you are spiritually healthy, you have a desire to minister. See, the giving here is not limited to giving money. It's giving of yourself, giving of your time, your treasure, your talent. And when you have a simple purpose in life of serving the Lord Jesus Christ and in so serving others, when that's your life purpose, you have a simple life. 
And you're able to give abundantly and give liberally to that purpose because your life's not complex. You're not trying to decide every day, I'm going to go that way, I'm going to go this way or that way or that. Simple. This is what I do. I serve God. I'm not trying to save up for a bass boat. I give the missions. I'm not trying to get a bigger house or another car. I give the missions. I'm not living to hoard up and heap up treasures to myself and reap the pleasure of this world, but I'm laying hold on eternal life. It's simple. Amen? That's what it means to give with simplicity. All that you do is pointing towards serving, giving the gospel, giving encouragement, giving your talents, giving your treasures. How are you doing? How are you doing in life? You have a simple life where everything's pointing to Jesus, or do you got one of these complex lives? The world's pulling you this way one day, and you, you know, you hear the preacher and you're pulled over here, can't figure out which direction you're going, and you can't give liberally either. Oh, you know, God's given you some gifts and you could do this and that. You might be a good Sunday school teacher. You, but you never have time for it because your life is so complex and not simple enough to be in church every time the church doors are open. You can't give liberally to your wife and family because you're, you're, you're conflated with all these different things you're trying to accomplish in life. That's one of the greatest things I love about living in God. It's a simple life. Amen. Are y'all catching what I'm saying tonight? I hope somebody's here feeling conviction tonight. I hope somebody wants to confess some sin tonight. I hope somebody's sitting here saying, I'm not intimate with God. I just took my temperature and my, I got a fever. I got an infection. I just took my blood pressure and it's high. They put me in one of them little tubes and there's a tumor there. There's a mass there. There's a cancer there. My life's too confusing and complex. I don't hear from God regularly. I find myself trying to decide, am I going to church or not going to church? When I go to church, I got a bad attitude. I don't have a job to do in church. I just sit. I just take up whatever, however many inches you are on that bench there. Some more than others. Amen? Are you listening to me tonight? Talking about taking our spiritual temperature. Good night. We're going to talk about missions. We're going to talk about reaching the world. We're going to get up here and sing all these songs and everything, and we don't know the Lord? Come on, man. We're playing games. We're playing games. Life ain't about you reaching people in Ghana. Life's about you knowing God. And if you know God, you can very simply help pe reach people in Ghana and Brazil and Russia and all these other places. Put God first. Put God first. How you doing tonight? What's your attitude towards church? You got a job to do in church. Do you have a purpose when you come to church? Is somebody counting on you to be here? Man, I don't want to be somebody that can miss church and nobody knows that I wasn't there. I know when you're not there. 
I know when I'm standing in the pulpit and I look and so-and-so's not there. Are you intimate with God? Does he speak to you? Do you speak to him? And can you give with simplicity? We're going to be taking up, are we taking missions? What do you call them? You call it commitment or faith promise, faith promise offering? They're going to fill out a card? Are you going to be trying to fill out that card this week and going, man, I really wanted to get that. Oh, but they, oh, man. Or are you going to be able to be liberal and bountiful because you live a simple life? 